This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. Just under you, how much influence we have over that. Um, it, just in doing some thinking about mothers and, you know, you think about the women in the Bible and you kind of run down that list. One of the, the women that really stuck out to me was Naomi. And so often when we read the book of Ruth, we celebrate Ruth because she was, she was great. She was a hero. She did all the right things. But looking at Naomi, she was a grieving woman. She had lost her husband. That, that's not very fun. The Bible says 10 years later. So just getting over that loss of a husband, now she loses her sons. Like, I don't know. I would pretty much just shut down, I think, and write life off and just go with the flow until I wasn't going anymore. But God had some different plans set out for her. And throughout her life, we look at that story of Ruth and, you know, we kind of know what happens. The one daughter-in-law goes back to her people and Ruth stays with her. But Ruth had seen something in Naomi that Naomi didn't see in herself. She didn't, she says when she goes back to Bethlehem, like, you know, call me, call me bitter. That, that's not a lot of self-esteem. Like, hi. My name's bitter, like I'm not worth much. You know, she was mopey maybe. I don't, she went through a lot. She did not live the life that she had made up, you know, when she was 15 and thinking about what her, maybe she was eight, I don't know. But thinking about what her plans would be and how many kids she wanted to have and who she wanted to marry and what she wanted life to look like. Sometimes we set all of those things up in our heads about how our life is gonna go. I thought that I was going to have, you know, the 2.5 children and just be done. Well, that's like the average. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> no, we, I thought, I don't know if we thought, I thought, well, we'll have a boy and a girl and then we'll be a happy little family and we'll be done. That was not the God plan God had for us. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh boy. But sometimes we, we set these plans up, and God has a different, a different path for us to go on, a different way that we need to conduct ourselves. When she got there to Bethlehem and said that she was bitter, that's not what Ruth saw in her. Ruth stuck that out. Ruth had plenty of opportunity to find somewhere else to be. But she stuck with Naomi because she saw something in Naomi. Um, as a mother, sometimes we we set our bars really low. I, I hear it a lot when people have a baby, they'll say, oh, hope I don't ruin this baby. And then they get to be a toddler and they're like, oh, I think I ruined this one. And then, you know, the next stage of life happens. We won't talk about that because they're really close to me up here, those teenagers. But we, we set that bar really low. I, sometimes we say it so that other people will say, oh no, you're a great mom. You're doing so well. But and sometimes in our heads, we think, well, if I, you know, as long as they don't 
you know, do this, these things, then I'm doing a good job as a parent. I'm doing a good job as a mom because they haven't met this criteria over here. But really, God has called us to be the influencers and the children in the generation that we have right now. He didn't call us to influence the grandma generation. The grandmas are influencing us mothers, and us mothers are influencing the next generation. And even our teenage girls, I see a couple right here, they're influencing the generation under them. What a beautiful thing it is to be a godly woman and to just share that love that God has instilled in us, that nurturing nature that, you know, some, it comes out at more than others. I'm not the most nurturing. <laughs> but we, building character in our children and establishing that, and our kids, they can see that in us. And even just like Rusa and Naomi, that they believe in us. Our kids just want us to love them so much. And I think we do, but sometimes we lose that confidence that we have, that God actually gave you a ton of ministry opportunities in all of this next generation that we have coming up. And I just want to encourage you moms, you're doing a good job. Other ladies who aren't, don't have mom, kids here, other moms, thank you for influencing my children. They come home from church so excited. Oh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this. And it's not just the candy people. They love the other, can the other people than the candy people too. Although Tic Tacs is the way to any toddler's heart, let me tell you. But I just want to say thank you to all of the mothers, for all of the women of this church for being so supportive. And let's just remember that this is a ministry that we have. We are, we are capable. We can do this. Let's not call ourselves bitter, but let's call ourselves blessed. Wow, that was really good. I shouldn't say it was so much surprise. Like, that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> in case anyone wants to know how all that went down, we had the service planned for today, Mother's Day. And then my wife asked me uh, this week. She, she's never, we don't plan this. Well, it's Mother's Day, so because you're the pastor's wife, you're going to say something. We don't plan that. But she said, I suppose you probably want me to say something, don't you? And I had no intention. Listen, I choose life. And so I'm, I'm pro-life on more than one thing. So I was like, not, I mean, if you feel like that's what you feel like you want to do. And so obviously the Lord gave her something. And uh, hopefully we can be recipients of that here today. Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all of our ladies here this morning. All of our mothers here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I couldn't have put it better, so I'm not really going to try, but thank you for all of those who do not have children but are a very positive influence. Your influence is noted, and it is making a difference. Amen. We're going to go to the word of the Lord here this morning, and I understand full well that I am what stands in between you and an overpriced um, brunch. $20 for eggs is ridiculous no matter what day it is, but um, if you would stand with me this morning 
Let's turn together in our Bibles, on your tablets, uh, on your phones, on the screens to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41 says, And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he, this is Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, that's when you know it's trouble. When mom and dad are both there, but mom steps up and says, I got this one. His mother said to him, son, (laughs) We think of Mary just being so soft and gentle. Look, when you've gone without your child for a day and you're running back throughout the city and it's been three days that you've been looking for him, it's not this kind, gentle Mary, son, wherefore have thou, hast thou been? Like, I don't know. I just, I think she went off. I think she let everybody know what was going on in that place. Son? why have you done this to us? Like all of you parents with gray hair are like, "What? look what you did to me. Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, what are you looking for me for? (laughs) I mean, This is pretty bold for Jesus to say this as an adolescent. But he's like, didn't you know, Mom? Weren't you aware that I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. For a little while this morning, I I do want to just preach to us and talk to us about a couple of things here today. And I'm entitling this message, Mother... May I? Mother, may I? And why don't you greet somebody and wish a mother a happy Mother's Day? Say hi to one another. Be kind to one another. We got one mom up here, so she's getting, you're getting all the attention.
Jesus has control. Yeah. All right, everyone. Let's find our spots, find your places, find your seats, find your friends, find your enemies. And somebody find Jesus. You need him. Amen. <clears throat> the game is simple enough. Mother, may I? It's simple enough. Kind of like a Simon says, but it, it gets our attention in a different way. Where one person stands in front of a group of other folks, and the other and the children are all gathered in a line together, and, and the person in, at the front of everybody else says, take three steps forward, and the line has to say, mother may I, before they take those steps. And the mother, the person standing at the front, the mother has to respond and say, yes, you may. Do you want to play that this morning, anybody? No, <laughs> no. Some of us are like, no, I'm just, it's, it's raining right now, and I don't feel like moving, so. But it's that, it's that, it's a game of permission. Do I have permission? Do I have the permission, mother, to do this thing? Do I have your permission to take this step? We're living in a world today, obviously, you might know where this is going in a sense, but we can bear this out a little bit. We're living in a world today where our culture and our, our society, especially within our culture, is attempting to remove the necessity of children asking permission to do anything. Getting to the point where children can go see a doctor and ask for their parent to not be present so that a doctor can begin to I'm sure practice the purest form of medicine on that child's behalf and to help that child make medical decisions, potentially life-altering decisions. This last year, I, I, I try to be really careful from behind this pulpit to not get into too many current events or, or um, political issues. I want to tell you something. This last year... Um, our family went on a journey of embarking into homeschool with our children, something we didn't think we would really have to do for a while. Now, I'm not standing up here telling anybody that the, that's what you should do or anything like that, but what I am telling parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents, whoever you are, be careful, be watchful, be vigilant over what this world is pouring into the minds and the hearts of your children. Just because a government places them in that position of authority doesn't mean that we, have, that we um, need to or should uh, give our authority and our influence over to the systems of this world. Is that okay this morning? We embarked on that journey because as we went to walk through our school last year, uh, right before the beginning of the year, to go and give it a walk through. We, we hadn't been able to be in there for over a year because of COVID. And as we walked through there, we saw signs and red, uh, red flags that, and sirens that started going off in our minds and our hearts and our spirits that, that there was something that wasn't right there. 
as we walked through, there were a number of different signs and things that we saw that really started to concern us, but one of the primary things that we saw as we went through that school was a, a sign that said, all are welcome here. Now, this all are welcome idea might sound like it's a good thing, because it, as anything that our, our world has done, it has co-opted the agenda of positivity and inclusiveness and welcoming, and it's co-opting people and connecting you with causes that are not just negative, they are anti-God. Is this okay this morning? And as we go through there, it's this pastel-type rainbow-colored um, sign on the door that said, on, on, in the hallway that said, all are welcome, and it had the, 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 the symbol for male, female, and transgender in our elementary school. Nobody asked us permission to put that up. Nobody asks permission to allow that to be displayed and to take place. When we confronted the administration, the school administration about this, they said, we're not taking it down. We don't want to offend anybody's values. So I kindly asked if we could place something up on the walls that represented our values. And the answer, well, you can guess. Church, the world is not asking permission. They're not asking permission to funnel things to children, to funnel things to this generation, as my wife put so greatly here this morning. They're not asking permission. They're doing everything that they can do to work around you to get to your children. There was a video that was launched a, few, a couple of years back of, of, the, of uh, a gay men's course from San Francisco, and it was supposed to be, they said it was satire, but the message of that video was, we're coming for your children. And that's not just something you read into that, oh, I, I think that that's what they're trying to say. They literally said, we're coming for your children. Now, we take that as, and, and the world paints that and positions that as saying, well, it was just satire. But can I tell you today, it's not satire. They're coming for your children. And they're not asking permission. Children here today, adolescents, teens, and even those of you in your 20s that are maybe in 30s or 40s that are still under your parents' roof. Let me just tell you something today. That there is wisdom and protection when you go to your mother and your father and you put yourself under the proper authorities in your life that God has established. And you act in those boundaries that are placed in your life. It doesn't feel good, but it's not about feeling. Being safe and in God's will is not about feeling good. Can I get a witness here today? Because can I tell you something? It's, it's counterculture, and you're not going to feel good about it. You're not going to feel good when all your friends are doing something else. You're not going to feel good when all your peers are going in another direction. Uh, families here today, you're not going to feel good when those friends that you've connected with at the park or at the mall or wherever it may be that you're connecting with them, they're going in different directions. It's not going to feel good. 
But doing right is not about how you feel. Where this comes in today, though, is I, I want to get to the, the meat of this message here today. Jesus is, here he is as an adolescent. He is God, manifested in the flesh. And he has left his parents. He, he let them go, and he just stayed behind. The symbolism here is pretty powerful, that Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem, and then three days later he's discovered. It's pretty powerful symbolism, even from the very beginning there, of what's taking place, and it's pretty interesting. But here we have Joseph and Mary who are going on their journey without him. They find that he's missing, and they frantically search for three days. He's gone from them until finally they find him in the temple. And Mary speaks up and says, why have you done this to us? Look at us. Like That, that look is saying... It's obvious and it's apparent. We have been a wreck. We've been a mess. You can see it on the way that we're carrying ourselves that we have been in a fit about where you've been. We've been seeking you anxiously. And Jesus answers them and says, why did you seek me? Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Now, in the Kirk house, if that interaction takes place, we, we just have a time of repentance. That's what we do. We have some discussion about that. Amen. I won't say anything else. Just let you run with your imagination on that one for a little bit. Not too much, though. Mary and Joseph, however, didn't possess the understanding of what Jesus as a child meant. But there was something about those words, I must be about my father's business. It denoted vision and a mission. And it was up to Jesus' parents to facilitate the purpose of Jesus' life. This church, brothers and sisters, from our elders, eldest of elders, to our teenagers here in this sanctuary. It's up to you to help in the facilitation of the lives of children and where they're going. And what God has called and placed on their lives. Teenagers, you have more of an influence than you could possibly realize. They're watching you. And I know sometimes I've heard, well, that's too heavy of a thing to put on somebody. I don't care. It's not too heavy for you to care. You need to know the truth of it. You need to know the reality. They're watching you. Our children are watching how you worship. They watch how you, how you respond to the word. They watch how you pray in the altar. They watch how you dress. They watch how you carry yourself. They watch how you conduct yourself. They listen to the words that you say. They're watching you. You're much cooler in their eyes than their mom and dad could ever possibly be. Coolness has skipped past us a long time ago. We've lost that mantle. We are not carrying that any longer. There's a group of young men that live 
couple houses down the street from us, and they're a rowdy bunch, and they kind of remind me of the, of the guys that I kind of spent a little time with when I was in college that lived, lived on 12th Street in Beltrami in Bemidji, and, and they're kind of a little bit of a, they're a little bit of a wild bunch a little bit over there, and I thought, you know, I could go over there and try to connect with them, and the, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I've got no connection with them. I'm just kind of this old old man dad that's just kind of, kind of got two houses down that's just there mowing his grass and taking care of his chickens. And they're sitting there with pallets, and, and, and they're sitting there with all these pallets that are stacked in the front yard by the street and a big cardboard sign last night that says, you honk, we drink. And they're just like, yeah, like, what am I going to do? Go over there and talk to them about anything. Hey, guys, how's it going? Really dig your style today like what 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 am i, I going to do young people you have an, more of an influence than you realize they're looking up to you but all you other non young people i'm not going to call anybody old some of it's obvious but no, anyway i'm not going to call anyone old all you non young people you have an influence as well you have an influence that you don't even realize. Your faithfulness to God speaks for itself. Let me talk to somebody here today. Let me talk to some ladies here today. Ladies, you have more of an influence than you could possibly realize. God has given, this is, this is Bible, so I'm, I'm fine with this, but the Lord has granted to men and put on men the responsibility and the mantle of authority. That's not something we ask for and we don't swing that around like, like we're like some, someone special. Oh, look at us. We got, but God's given to men authority. But ladies, you know what he's given to you? He's given you influence. He's given you influence. And influence goes a long way. Influence in its, in its proper place and authority in its proper place is God's design for humanity to work together. Ladies, you have influence. You may never stand behind a pulpit. You may never grab a microphone and sing. You might never play a, an instrument or anything like that. But can I tell you, your faithfulness to God and your relationship with him is more influence than you could possibly realize. Mothers have influence. Influence doesn't get a lot of fanfare. But the heart of a godly mother of godly women is not for fanfare and it's not for self it's for others one of the key principles we see here in this passage that i read this morning is that jesus is aligning himself with the law of honoring his father and mother and our world would be a lot healthier and a lot more wholesome if there were kingdom minded godly mothers and fathers and we would align ourselves with them there are plenty of mothers in this world who do not have wholesome values. Can I tell you that just because a person is a mother of a child does not automatically qualify them as a person of virtue. Ladies, hear me today. This is really, this is really awkward for me to be in this position to tell you about motherhood and womanhood. But if our Supreme Court justice can't define what a woman is, I guess I'll do my best. Oh boy. Here comes that letter from the government. Ladies, your identity is not as a mother. Your identity, first and foremost, is a Christian.
and a follower of Jesus Christ. Never let, never let any label of this world supersede your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you get that right, everything else that's underneath it is going to follow in unity and alignment with the will of God. Our identity is not found, it's not found in what we can produce of ourselves. Our identity is found in Christ. And you get that first, everything else will align with it. Characteristics of a godly mother. Well, let me tell you, a godly mother is not perfect. Not yet, Olivia. That's a little too early. I'll get you there. Godly mothers aren't perfect people. We're not committed just to that image of perfection. But somebody who is committed to God through prayer and reading his word, that's the characteristic of a godly mother. Let me just say that again. Don't commit yourself to an image that you can't live up to anyway. The image of perfection in this world or motherhood or womanhood, like, well, don't align yourself with the image of womanhood to this, of this world anyway because the world doesn't even know what that is. Oh, boy. Did, did you know that some of the greatest achievements in the last couple of years by women are actually done by biological males? Anyway, is this okay this morning? That, that, that weird anybody out? That's womanhood to this world. Womanhood to this world has gotten so twisted and messed up. You can't, you can't rely on that to set the, set the image for you. You're not living up to an image. You're living up to a call. If you try to live, it up, live up to just an image, you'll never get there. But if you live up to the call that God has placed on your life, and you know, ladies, you know, you, what, you know what God is calling you to? He's not calling you to, to success in the image of this world. He's calling you to relationship with him. That's what he wants. Not committed to an image, but committed to God through prayer and the reading of his word. Now, don't get me wrong, some of you feminists in here, that that just means that you're just a lady in the corner sitting and praying and reading your Bible and not doing anything. Let me tell you something. A woman who is in touch and in tune and walking with God is a force to be reckoned with in this world. I'm going to be honest with you here this, this morning. I'm going to be real with this here today. When women start praying and they start really getting after it, I get scared. And I just melt into the backdrop and I'm like, Lord, you got to do something here because I don't, I don't want to mess with this tornado. It is a hurricane. But let me tell you, ladies, when you walk with God, you've got influence. You've got influence in this world. You're not just some quiet, sit in the corner, knitting. Not that there's anything wrong with that. but <laughs> you're, just, you're not just relegated to a kitchen somewhere and cooking and cleaning, and that's what a godly woman is. No, a godly woman is somebody who's aligned with the Lord, and then you use your influence 
to specifically influence and impact people's lives. And you can do that. You say, who, me? Yes, you. Yes, you. You can do that. You can help steer things. You can help move things in the right direction. Amen. So receive that. I have to be really careful because I'm talking to mothers like I'm some expert. What gives a woman directive is to use her influence in the right ways, the ways God would have done. Characteristics of a godly mother. Godly mothers trust God for every need. You know what men do? Men, we put it in our own hands. There's a need, I'm going to take care of it. There's a need that we have, I'll do it. I'll work more hours. I'll, I'll, I'll fix this project. There's a problem over here, I'm going to take care of it. It needs to be broken so I can fix it. Like, I'm going to go take care of something. That's what men do. Men are just kind of doers. We just, we just kind of start breaking stuff and fixing stuff that doesn't even need to be messed with. A godly mother trusts God for every need. That's what we find from the Word of God. And mothers understand that God supplies these needs. And this is beyond financial needs or tangible situations. But God supplies the emotional needs and support. Men don't usually see those needs. <laughs> we just keep rolling. Well, wipe your tears. Let's go. Come on. We got stuff to do. But godly women, you see that need and you recognize that God is the supplier of that need. And often, whether you realize it or not, God uses godly mothers and godly women to help with that need. We talked about Mary here today. And in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, this is the introduction of Mary. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed of a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I really like that. Because when an angel comes to you and says, Rejoice, the Lord's with you, you're blessed. It's like, thanks. What's the catch? You know what men do? We're like, awesome, this is great, let's go. And women see layers. Men, we're just like, there's an angel here. Time to go, guys. Woo! And, and women are like, hold on a second. This is great. What are you talking about? And why are you here in the first place? How did you even get in? <laughs> I mean, that's, the Bible says when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. He came, rejoice was the first thing he said. And she's like, hold on. What, what are you talking about? 
and considered what manner of greeting this was. She heard the greeting, but she said, yeah, don't just give me this fluffy, you're blessed among women. What's this really all about? The angel said to her, oh, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. You found favor with the Lord. These events at the introduction of Mary mirror in many ways the final interaction we see with Mary that she engages in in Scripture in John chapter 2. I'm going somewhere with this this morning. Just hang with me for a while. Is this all right? Good. In John chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, On the third day... There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, this is when Jesus is about 30 years old. And if we know anything biblically or scripturally, 30 years is when the Levites would begin their ministry. He wasn't a Levite, but still, it's the notion of that's when ministry would start to kick off, the priesthood. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana. The mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I love this so much because, <laughs> because you know she's saying something else, as mothers do. Mothers will say, the cats need food. Children know what that, they know what that means. Children don't just sit there and be like, yeah, you're right. They're like, oh, okay, time for me to go do something about it. The mail's here. What does that mean? Go get the mail. The floor's dirty. What does that mean? Pick it up. <laughs> they, <laughs> oh, I, I just feel a witness right now. Just some parents just are feeling this right now. So Mary says to Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, <laughs> oh, woman? I can't even look up when I say that. That's the boldness of Jesus. What, <laughs> what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And I, I wonder, I wonder, I just wonder if the reason why we have the last thing we hear about Jesus in Mary and Joseph is that it's Jesus as an adolescent driving his mom crazy because he ran away. And the very next thing is him saying, is it my time yet or not? Mother, can I handle this? May I do something about this now? Mother, may I? I, I wonder. That's just me inserting that here today. He says, my hour has not yet come. And his mother, I just love it. Like, I love these family dynamics. Says to the servants, doesn't even answer Jesus. I'm pretty sure Mary, if we didn't know she was Jewish, I'm pretty sure she would be Minnesotan. It's so passive aggressive. It's so great. She just says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Can I tell you? These are the last words of Mary in Scripture. I wonder if those could be our last words and words that we live by. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Words to live by. We're talking about famous last words. 
famous last words. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Do what he says. You know the rest of the story and how this goes. But it is this notion that whatever Jesus says, you had better do it. And Mary could say this with all confidence because she herself had already been obedient to the Lord. Whatever had been asked of her, she had done. And it's important for us to realize what this meant to Mary. What this meant to Mary was that, and then also what this could mean to you, because what this meant to Mary is that, what it meant to Mary is that at this greeting of Gabriel that came to her, the initiation of, of, of her in Scripture, is that from that point on, she would have to suffer the indignity of becoming a pregnant mother before marriage. This would make her, um, herself and Joseph and Jesus social pariahs within their community. If she shared her angelic visitation with anyone, it would mean that her reputation would be challenged by a complete lack of verification of this truth. And the very next thing we hear about Mary is at the wedding feast when Jesus is guided by his mother to step into the work for which he came. And at this point, there were no healings, there were no miracles, there were no demons cast out, there was no confrontation of the religious leaders. All that they had to work on was a promise. Once this miracle was let out, the ministry and the life of Jesus would start to advance to the cross. Once this, once this miracle took place, it would put him on track to continue. It, it would be the tipping point that would be miracles and, and deliverance from demonic possession and influence and challenging the religious leaders. It would be one thing after another after another that would set Jesus on the track towards the cross. Once this miracle was done, it was the inevitable march towards Calvary. Jesus knew why he had come. He had to be about his father's business. And it was up to a mother to say, now it's time. Mothers, you have an influence on your children. Some of you are really not going to like me for this. But you have an influence on your children to release them to the hands of the Lord. And for the purpose that he has placed on their lives. Mothers, love your children, instruct your children, influence your children. No matter where they go in life, they are always going to love you and care for you, but you have to give them to the Lord. Oh boy. We should, Stephanie, we should have just stuck with what you said. I don't know. I didn't. This is not good planning. Moms, you got to give your kids to God. You've got you to place Moses in the basket, and you've got to let him go. Hannah, you've got to take Samuel and raise him to a point, but you've got to let him go. You've got to let him go. Mary, you held on to, that, to Jesus as long as you could, but you've got to let him go. God, let them go into the destiny that God has called them to step into and encouraging them all the way.
the story of, that we open up with here this morning in Luke chapter 2, I want to address something this morning, maybe help some people out here today. We read about Mary and Joseph going back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. In, in your Bible, that's the last time we read about Joseph. You don't read about him again. He's out of the picture. And I don't believe it's because he's an absent father. Many scholars would believe that somewhere between Jerusalem and the wedding in Cana, somewhere between the calling of the disciples and Jesus stepping into the calling of the ministry that, that he came to do, and the work of the Father, somewhere between there, Joseph died. And there's Mary all by herself. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of looking into this a little bit, but I tell you that if you find yourself, mothers, in a place where the father is not in the picture, you can raise godly children, but you can't do it on your own. You need a body. Need a church. Oh boy. You need people to help you. And you need to be open to that influence in your home. If you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're not meeting up with and keeping up, as my wife would put it by comparison to every other woman that's around you. It's not time to shut your life down. It's actually time to open it up and say, help me grow. Help me learn. Help me. Because it may not be your mother, but maybe it's another godly woman in this church that can help you grow and help you learn. And for you to be a little bit vulnerable to open up and to say, can you help me? Can you help me figure out how you did this? Can you help me figure out how you manage finances? Can you help me figure out how to balance a checkbook? Can you help me figure out how to balance work life? Can you help me? Because quite frankly, children, when you introduce children into any equation, they add a level of chaos. that's about enough to make anybody want to just throw their hands in the air and say, I'm done. I'm done. Here. Here's a ball. Go play in the street. I don't care. Like, I want to help us with a couple things here this morning that are taking place in our world as, as we begin to close here today. Because women, ladies of greater life, your value is so important. More than what this world could ever give you, your value is found in your relationship with God. 
Ladies, hear me today. Number one, Olivia, go ahead. Just, just in case anybody's confused, women are the only humans that can give birth to other humans. Can I get an amen? amen. That is, we're probably going to get canceled for this. Who knew that that would be controversial? Genesis 1:27. so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. And that's it. He created them. And you're like, well, this is, seems pretty obvious among a group of apostolics here this morning. Why would you have to bring that up? Be, because, church, we can't forget this. We can't compromise on this. This isn't something where we can start to open up the door to other things and start to allow this in and start to allow this to be our identity. You know that there are groups, there are, there are group, denominal groups all over our nation that are co-opting this book and the words of Jesus in order to share their message that they want to share with other people. And it, and it stems even into transgenderism. Did you know that? Just recently I heard a message about how, and I, I think I shared this about how there was one priest, in, I think this was in the UK, that said that Jesus transgendered himself when he washed the feet of his disciples. Because he transitioned himself from being a man with authority into a position of a female servant. It's disgusting. And we can't let that in. You can't let that in. Another man, I just heard another man said, and I'm looking in this because I want to be a watchman on the wall for us here about this. Somebody else said, I heard somebody else say that when Jesus spoke to Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth, what he was really saying was, Lazarus, come out. As in, out of the closet. Take off your grave clothes. What he was really saying was, take off of the bindings of, that the church places on you and be who God really called you and made you to be. It's toxic, church. Now, the words that are being put out there, and, and listen, don't let Twitter run your life. Don't, it, also, but don't let whoever owns Twitter run your life. Man, okay, i got to focus. This is Mother's Day. We're supposed to be happy. We have politicians and senators, people in, people in influence and authority in our country that, that are not celebrating women today, but they're celebrating birthing bodies. That's the new term. Women are the only humans that can give birth to other humans. I hope that's okay. Second thing is this. All life does matter, including the lives of the unborn. Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. What matters more than just the physical being is the existence beyond the natural. And the breath of life breathed into humanity is different than the air that we breathe. It is what takes us from being natural to being supernatural. And the life of an unborn child matters to God. 
God loves every person regardless of their stage in life. To the person on life support that's in a coma, to the, to the baby that is in their mother's womb, God cares about everybody in there from the beginning to the end and in between. He cares about every single life. To take life because it, because it doesn't meet our criteria for goals and advancement in our own life, in our terms, is rebellion against God. Ezekiel 18 and 4, the Lord says this, he says, Behold, all souls are mine. They belong to God. They're not up to us to do with what we want to do with them. Psalm 139, verse 13. The psalmist says, For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That's one of the things, church, that when the world says that, that a fetus is just a clump of cells, it's much more than that. And even if it were just that, the Lord still sees that and acknowledges that as being life. And in your book, they, are, they were all written. The days fashioned for me were as yet there were none of them. That's speaking of a, 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 a baby in the first trimester. All life does matter, including the life of the unborn. And God has a divine purpose for every single person from womb to tomb. God has a divine purpose for every one of you. God knows and loves each and every person, and their souls are his and his alone. Let me just say this, and I... I need to keep rolling here today, but I don't want to be silent on this issue because this is not a political issue. This is a morality issue. Abortion is an industry, and it's an impersonal procedure because the person giving the abortion has no connection to that baby. I know, I know that's, that, that's, that's a little hard here today. Good. Let's settle that. We don't have to, you don't have to compromise on that. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I, here's this so cool. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That life matters. Even before it was formed in the womb, it matters. Last one, number three, is this. And this is going to be a little bold this morning. But number three, you cannot be a follower of Christ and promote and support abortion. I, I understand that this is taking a little bit of a left turn from where Mother's, Mother's Day service went. And I hope this is okay here today. Because, because we, we will not be silent about this issue. 
I'm not planning on saying, all right, church, let's go down to the clinic and hold up signs and protest. If you want to do that, you go ahead and do what you feel like you need to do. But something needs to be resolved deep in our hearts and in our lives to understand and to realize that we cannot be followers of Christ and promote and support abortion at the same time. There is no such thing as pro-choice. You are either pro-life or pro-abortion. That's the only, that, that's the, those are the only options. And if you are pro-abortion, you are not pro-Christ. I would even go so far as to say you are anti-Christ. I hope this is okay this morning. I, I, I'm probably pretty sure our live stream has probably got cut off already. But it doesn't matter. Church, we have to stop associating ourselves with causes and things that will drive us down and that are attached to death. And let me close with this, musicians. I know I'll put you in a tough spot, but if you could just come and play something. There may be people here in this room. There may be people listening online people that you know personally, and there will be people that you come into contact with who have had an abortion. In a moment of life when they were misguided, misled, and they weren't given all the information that they needed. somebody ever finds themselves in that place has ever found themselves there somebody you ever run across or come across has ever found themselves there the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God is this you can repent you can turn away from that in church we don't need to and I would go so far as to say this we cannot hold that over them We can't hold that over somebody. Think of the decisions that you made in your life when manipulation was introduced. And an enemy spoke to your life. Somebody found themselves in a place making a decision that they didn't know what to do. And the right person with the right words came along at the right time and sowed some seeds and planted some messages and said, here's what you need to do. And all will be taken care of. Church, we don't need to hold that over anybody. And this is just me here today. But I believe that every child who's been taken by that procedure is in the arms of a loving Savior cares for them very much. But I wonder if we're wrestling with this notion in our minds and our hearts. I wonder if that baby in the mother's womb is 
simply just saying, Mother, may I? Can you just give me a chance? Give me a chance to live. Every life matters. Every life is valuable. Every life has an impact. Let's stand together here this morning. As I understand it, we have a baptism here today, so Genesis, we're very excited for you. If you could go ahead and somebody could give her some assistance and help her with that, that would be great. We're going to go ahead and get into that here this morning. While it is yet morning. The church, we live in a very troubled world. We live in a troubled world that is so broken and so confused. One of the biggest tragedies is when they when the world finally wakes up and sees what they've done. The horror that they will feel, the guilt that they can face, the shame of it all. When somebody who has gone through Life in life has taken them and taken advantage of them. And when they finally come to themselves and realize who they are and what they've done and what they've become, when they finally come to themselves in that pig pen and they realize this is how far I've really, truly fallen. Oh, the, the pain that they will feel, the conviction, and even condemnation that they can sense. Do you know what this world needs? I know it needs Jesus. You know what this world needs? It needs a good mother. It needs a good church. A good place of comfort. A good place of rest. Isaiah 66 and 13 says this. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted in Jerusalem. This world doesn't need another point to stick up there and argue with them. But this world needs a church and a people who will comfort. Who will give them comfort during times of stress. Who will give them comfort during times of overwhelming sorrow and fear. Because there's no love like a mother's love. No stronger bond on earth. Like the precious bond that comes from God to a mother when she gives birth. A mother's love is forever strong, never changing for all time. And when her children need her most, 
a mother's love will shine. God bless these special mothers. God bless them, everyone, for all the tears and heartache for the special work they have done. When her days on earth are over, a mother's love lives on through many generations with God's blessings on each one. So let's be thankful for our mothers, for they love with a higher love from the power God has given and the strength that's from above. What this, this troubled world needs now more than anything else is they need the love and the comfort of a mother. They need a mother that will wrap them up and let them know that everything is going to be all right, and that there's one thing that will supply their needs it's not going out and doing more. It's coming in and finding Jesus. That's what will help. The church, ladies, mothers here today, you are an example to us. The church, we understand that what this world needs is a church. They need the church of the living God to comfort them in their times of stress, in their times of sorrow, in their times of need. To not judge to not harm, to not lash out or to strike them, but to love them all the way to Jesus. So the question you may be asking this morning is, how can I do that? It's why you were made. It's why you were created. It's why God saved you. More than just for your own good. But that's so you can be a blessing and a comfort to others. So greater life, it's not so much even here this morning, it's not just Mother May I, but here today I'm commissioning you. Be that peace. Be that comfort. Be what God has called you to be to this lost and broken and dying world. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you've meant to us, Lord, what you've done for us, and how you have blessed each and every one of us, Lord, with a mother to show us and to guide us, to point us in the right direction, to be comfort for us and to be an influence in our lives when we felt like, like maybe there wasn't any hope, or we were wrapped with sorrow, Lord. You provided that mother there to comfort those who need comfort. We thank you for mothers today, Lord, and for, for the ladies and the women of this church, Lord, who have done, Lord, more than, more than they even realize that they've ever done through, Lord, being obedient to you and following in alignment with you, Lord, the influence that they have on lives far beyond, Lord, even just their own, but generation to generation to generation. Thank you, God, for that today. I pray, Lord, as, as we, your church, as we are your bride, that we can be that to this world, that we can be a comfort to those who need comfort, that we can be a strength to those who need strength, that we can be lend an ear to those who are heavy in their heart. And ultimately, Lord, that we can do everything our power and with your power to lead them and point them to you. 
because you are our source and you are everything that we need. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for what you're doing here today. Thank you, Lord, for this baptism that is just about to take place. Lord, as one is being born into your kingdom through water and, Lord willing, in Jesus' name, through the Spirit, being born into the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, that this church will continue to birth babies into your kingdom. But, God, that we don't just birth them in, that we take care of them and we care for them. Even in their points, Lord, of, of, of trial and difficulty, Lord, that we care for them. And that those who have been cared for can now be caretakers of them that are entering into your kingdom, O oh Lord. That we can work together as you've designed us to work. Working until you come again for your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here today. We're going to have a baptism in just a minute here. I'm super excited about this. If you want to gather around, you can gather around. If you are here today and you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, can I tell you, you can do that today. If your mother were here, she would tell you, you need to be baptized. But more than that, his word tells you that. His word is telling you that. And you just need to be obedient to his word. He doesn't need to tell you anything else. You just need to be obedient. Amen. So we're going to have this baptism in just a moment here. And here's what I'd like for us. It's kind of a setup, but here's what I'd like for us to do. We were so blessed on Wednesday to have Jennifer um, Davis baptized in Jesus' name. And the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost. Just after a few minutes sitting there in the baptistry, it was a beautiful thing. It was so powerful. It was so good. Amen. It was wonderful. Here today, we have Genesis who's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Her mother and her son are with her today. What a beautiful Mother's Day that we're witnessing here right now. But I want to encourage you today, if you would like to gather around and come in to pray, we don't just want to pray um, that she's just baptized of the water, born, born of the water. We want that, of course, and we're going to see that take place. But I believe we need to experience a birth of the Spirit. That's where we need the church here today. So why don't you do this? Shake hands with somebody, and why don't you invite somebody? Why don't you come up here? Go ahead, shake hands and say, why don't you come up, and let's just pray this morning for Genesis that she's baptized in Jesus' name.